Welcome to the Secretary Survey, the Irish Pre-Hospital Podcast. Welcome to this month's episode. This month we're talking about poisons. My name is Stephen and joining me this month is Viv. We're going to have a chat about how poisons affect the healthcare system. What are the most common poisons we encounter regarding medications and household products. Viv is going to talk about some of the toxidromes that we group different poisons symptoms into when discussing how the poisons affect the body. And we're going to have a chat through the CPG on poisons and some of the treatments that we can offer for patients pre-hospitally. So when we talk about poisons, what are we actually talking about? Technically, if you think about it, poisons can be anything. The dose determines the poison, really. The idea of that being anything can be poisonous if it's given in a high enough dose. So certain things we give therapeutically when we're trying to achieve a desired result. But if that same thing is given in an excessive dose, it can actually be poisonous to the body. Poisons can enter the body in a number of different ways, ingested, injected, absorbed through the skin or inhaled and it's important to remember that generally poisoning certainly accidental poisoning if it happens we normally don't see it pre-hospitally because the majority of cases will involve children or substances in small doses and advice will be seeked from the national poison information center and the patients will be generally non-symptomatic or maybe minor symptoms and can be treated at home with very little treatment or minor supportive care and observation and no harm generally comes from patients. That said, 2% of ED presentations are because of poisoning and 5% of admissions result from poisoning in the EDs. Regarding drugs and the overdoses from them and the results of said overdoses, A lot of them are normally treated relatively well in hospital with a minor number becoming very unwell and some few going on to die from the results of the damage from the poison. So in a study that looked at drug deaths from overdose, 2004 and 2017 were just short of 5,000 deaths due to drug poisoning, mostly from CNS depressants and prescription opioids. Otherwise, the common types of poisoning, when we talk about medications, analgesia is the most common type of poisoning when it comes to medications, namely paracetamol being the top reason that people seek help regarding poisoning from paracetamol overdoses, be that intentional or accidental, followed by antidepressants, anti-inflammatories and antipsychotics. And when we talk about household goods, bleach is one of the highest reasons people report being poisoned and followed by liquid detergent tabs or the washing up plastic blister tabs that you put in the washing machine. And as of late, since the use of alcohol gel has increased, alcohol hand gel is actually the third most likely cause for poisoning regarding household products that the people contact the National Poison Information Centre. Poisoning is a common enough problem in the wider population, but of those people, there aren't a huge amount of people actually seek out help and the majority of people seeking out help tend to be those who have intentional overdose or poisoning due to a want of self-harm and recreational uses of drugs and abuse. So that said we need to have a little think about toxidromes and with regards to toxidromes looking at the different toxidromes will help us to identify how we might treat somebody or certainly help identify the poison that might be causing the symptoms. And this is important in the pre-hospital sense because we may not have full information as regards what the person took or the fact that people might have taken a number of substances that may cause the poisoning. So having an idea of toxidromes is really important and that can help guide our treatment and certainly comes into play with regards to our CPG when we look at the poisoning 
So Viv is going to have a quick chat to us about some of the toxidromes. Thanks, Steve. So I'm going to go through toxidromes. What are toxidromes? Well, a toxidrome is a group of clinical signs and symptoms that would be associated with toxic ingestion or exposure. There are five traditional toxidromes, and these are cholinergic, anticholinergic, opioid, sympathomimetic, and sedative hypnotic. I'll go through these briefly in a while. And as Steve has said, the roots of these can occur by ingestion, inhalation, injection, cutaneous absorption, and mucous membrane exposure. Now, in the pre-hospital environment, we can treat some of these presentations, such as the opioid and cholinergic presentations, but may not be able to treat a lot of the other presentations. And that would be up to our ED colleagues to do their testing and give the relative antidotes. So knowing the toxidromes is important in order to recognise the potential of a poisoning or toxic exposure. Now back to toxidromes, I'll try and keep this brief and give some of the causes and how we can recognise them. I won't go into the details of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems, nor will I go into the muscarinic or nicotinic receptors, because let's face it, I could go on forever, so I'll spare you that much. So firstly we have cholinergic poisoning. The signs and symptoms of cholinergic poisoning would be constricted pupils, lacrimation, which would be watery eyes or excessive tears, salivation, bradycardia, bronchospasm, bronchorrhea, which is excessive watery mucus production, urination, diarrhea, vomiting and diaphoresis. This person will be copiously sweating. There are the mnemonics sludge, BBB, dumbbells and MTWTF for these presentations also and you can look those up online. These are usually caused by exposure to pesticides and organophosphates, but can also be caused by overdoses in donepezil, which is used to treat Alzheimer patients. Then you have anticholinergic poisoning. The signs and symptoms for this would be flushed skin, dry mouth, no sweating, they'll have a dry groin and axilla, hyperthermia, dilated pupils which will not react to light, delirium and hallucinations, urinary retention, tachycardia, probably the earliest and most reliable sign of anticholinergic poisoning, and you'll have decreased or absent bowel sounds. So think of the saying, red as a beet, dry as a bone, hot as a hair, blind as a bat, mad as a hatter, full as a flask, to remember these signs and symptoms. Causes for anticholinergic poisoning can be overdoses in tricyclic antidepressants, olanzapine, quetiapine, atropine and some antihistamines. Now we come to opioid overdoses. This is probably one of the more common presentations that we encounter and can treat at a scene. The signs and symptoms for this would be pinpoint pupils, respiratory depression or respiratory arrest. You'd have a reduced level of consciousness or the patient would be unresponsive. Heroin is probably the most common opiate overdose we would come across, be that IV or in inhalation use. But there are many prescribed opiate medications that our patients may accidentally or intentionally overdose on, such as codeine, oxycodone, buprenorphine, methadone and fentanyl. And always keep in mind the fentanyl patches and keep an eye out for them. The next would be sympathomimetic. The signs and symptoms of this would be hyperthermia, dilated pupils that will react to light, diaphoresis, tachycardia, agitation and sometimes seizures. Common causes for this presentation that we would come across would be due to the use of amphetamines, cocaine and MDMA, which we know as ecstasy. And finally, we have the sedative hypnotic overdoses. 
And the signs and symptoms for this are you'll have respiratory depression, bradycardia, hypothermia, hypotension, and lethargy. Again, the most common causes that we would see in the pre-hospital environment would be from overdoses in barbiturates, benzodiazepines, and from anticonvulsants. There are some great aid memoirs and posters available online about toxidromes by doing a simple internet search on them, and they're very, very handy. So ultimately, for us in pre-hospital care, stick to the ABCs and support those as you've been trained. Assess the disability level, i.e. the level of consciousness, the pupils and the patient's mental status, etc. Don't forget the glucose and cardiac monitoring as well as 12-lead ECG. Try and get a history of what happened or what's been taken. Look around for medications, paraphernalia or a potential source of exposure and keep it in mind with regard to your own safety for a potential accidental exposure, possibly due to cutaneous absorption or inhalation. So that's me done. Now back to you, Steve, and I think you're going to go through some of the treatments and some other overdoses that we might encounter. Thanks, Viv, for the overview of those toxidromes. Next thing to look at is when you're faced with a patient with suspected poisoning is how we're going to actually look after them. And I suppose the first thing to consider is always going to be scene safety. And one of the main things we're thinking about is from a patient perspective and from an environmental perspective perspective for example somebody who has an opiate overdose how have they overdosed with the opiate is it being injected are there sharps in the environment that we may now have to deal with likewise somebody who's after overdosing on a psychostimulant may be aggressive agitated and can be quite difficult to deal with safely so having consideration for our own safety is always going to be the first thing to think about and somebody who is got that psychostimulant overdose that early consideration for medical support is important to see what options are available to safely manage that patient so once the scene is safe we're going to start thinking about our primary survey and again depending on the poison type and the amount of poison and the response levels of the patient will depend very much so on how that proceed so normal airway breathing circulation checks and management and just remembering that, you know, for the likes of opiate overdoses, we've got the options of naloxone as a reversal agent, which is a competitive agonist for the mu receptors, which will reverse any symptoms of opiate overdose. So hopefully that will return the respiratory effort for the patient if they have a decreased respiratory effort, which is common in opiate overdoses. Just something to be mindful of with regards opiates and sympathomimetics. Uh, sometimes they're mixed together in terms of speedballing. If you reverse the opiate overdose, you then all of a sudden have a sympathomimetic overdose, which will take, obviously, that toxidrome then will become more prevalent, especially if the opiate toxidrome was more prevalent initially. So working through, once we've done a primary survey and we've managed the life-threatening problems, we're going to start working on our secondary survey. And some of the things we're going to think about is the what, what they took, the when they took it, how they took it, and how much they took. And again, some of these questions are going to be important because, again, having an indication of what somebody took, especially in the early stages, can give us an indication of what toxidrome we would expect somebody to present as. Also, particular toxidromes have particular problems and particular overdoses have particular problems as well. So, for example, tricyclic overdose 
can cause QRS arrhythmias and certainly a wide QRS is an indication for intervening with sodium bicarbonate for at AP level so if you aren't an AP then you know thinking about ALS um, is important as well and likewise with cholinergics those organophosphate overdoses etc with the bradycardia and salivation the use of atropine IV as well can be really useful in those overdoses for symptom management en route to hospital and there's some of the bigger things to be thinking about a newer thing that's going to come in with this CPGs is and available for EMT paramedic and advanced paramedic is the use of activated charcoal so any solid substances for example paracetamol benzodiazepines, aspirins, a big list in the field guide now, the new field guide that's out, which gives you an indication of the more likely substances that activated charcoal is useful for. Activated charcoal is really useful in those accidental overdoses or the intentional overdoses where somebody has decided that they wish to seek treatment for their overdose. Okay, so activated charcoal requires somebody to take 50 grams of activated charcoal, PO, mixed with water or other pleasing mixture fruit juice or something like that to help with the ingestion of it and swallowing the activated charcoal po binds with the substances in the gi tract and the plan being that they'll reduce the toxicity of any of the poison that's in the gi tract and that substance then that's formed with activated charcoal and the medicine will pass out of the gi tract without entering the bloodstream as i alluded to earlier Poisoning can be due to anything, depending on the dose, and will depend on the poison. And if we look at or try to think about all the different things that could be a poison and how many different presentations are, there's no way you could be expected to know how to deal with all of that kind of stuff. And in general, at our stage, in pre hospital phase, a lot of it is down to good primary and secondary survey, history taking, and managing symptoms. For those complex cases in which you might be a bit further out from hospital, you have a longer transport time and you're dealing with acute poisoning that is presenting outside of the guidelines that we have currently, what are your options? And I suppose the current option, if you're part of the statutory Dublin Fire Brigade, Defence Forces, National Ambulance Service, we have that option of Medico in Cork, ringing them up and looking for support basically for those complex poisoning cases that perhaps need a little bit of extra care and extra information. Within the emergency departments and ICUs in Ireland they have access to Toxbase which is the UK National Poison Information Service online depository of all things toxicology. So if you have a overdose of a substance or a poisoning of a substance you can type the substance into Toxbase and it'll send back some details about what's the toxic dose what symptoms you'd expect and any treatments that would be possible and also the high risk symptoms and low risk symptoms and things like that so really good as a sort of risk assessment tool for healthcare providers and also it does give extra information about some of the things that we can look out for during the patient's journey to hospital and possibly some interventions that we could possibly start before we get to hospital depending on the situation. Other option would be to contact the National Poisons Centre in Ireland directly. Numbers can be found online 
as a number for the public which so anybody member of the public who has a poisoning query at home can ring up for advice depending on what's happened so especially important with like kids and stuff who have swallowed washing up liquid or detergent and things like that you know you can ring up somebody and get advice but likewise there's a service there for healthcare professionals that's available 24 7 that you can make contact with them and look for advice regarding the pre-hospital FEC practitioners especially at ap level we have that option of medical for medical support if you're working for statutory services and the benefit of going through medical is that you will be talking to a doctor who's familiar with the cpgs and have the availability of talk space so you get both sides of the coin really when you're having a discussion regarding the care and support for that patient on route hospital Something that we don't have here and that they have in the UK generally, ambulance trusts have direct access to talk space. And when you look at some of the information stuff, the ambulance service are, especially when it comes to using the app, the ambulance service are the top user for talk space in the UK when it comes to the app. Even online, they're in the top 10. So I would think it is of use to be able to look up talk space. And I have done in the past in hospital, looked it up or asked one of the doctors to have a look to get information when I'm researching stuff after the fact and it's been really learned some interesting things about different poisons and medications especially around the toxic dose levels and stuff like that it could be a really useful thing to know that if somebody has taken a dose of something what's the toxic dose of it and all that kind of stuff so it helps to risk assess the patient's presentation and situation especially regarding further treatment and things like that so potentially something hopefully that might look into the future there's obviously a cost associated with talk space and at the moment it's only available in the emergency departments and icu but certainly something that you can access through medical potentially for those complex cases for advanced paramedics working in the statutory services in ireland so that kind of wraps up a very short overview on poisoning some of the stuff we might delve into in a bit deeper at some stage but in general the principles are identifying the poison identifying the toxidromes, treating symptoms, being mindful for scene safety and mindful that managing the primary survey and dealing with life-threatening elements of the primary survey is the utmost importance. For example, opiate overdoses, naloxone does reverse respiratory depression, but that is secondary to the need to manage the airway and potentially ventilate the patient if they have inadequate respirations. So having good airway and ventilation management prior to naloxone is really important to reverse those hypoxic injuries. So thanks for listening this month and thanks to Viv for that explanation on toxidromes. We'll see you again. Take care. All information recorded is solely the opinion of the presenters and their guests. They do not represent the views of the employers nor associated with any establishment or service provider. Content is not to be taken as medical advice and should not affect established guidelines and protocols. Thank you for listening. Take care.